Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. We are um, finishing off our series that we've been doing through January called Immersed in Scripture and looking at um, the story of Scripture. How do we think about this ancient, weird, strange collection, library of books? How do we read it in the 21st century and how should we approach it? Tony sent me a great quote this week um, by Martin Luther. He said this, he says, There's no greater mischief that can happen to a Christian people than to have God's word taken away from them or falsified so they no longer have it pure and clear. No greater mischief can happen to a follower of Jesus than the word of God being taken away from us, the scriptures taken away from us. And if you are a follower of Jesus in this room this morning, then this book is incredibly important to who we are. It's a founding document. We've been looking over the last couple of weeks. Ethan kicked us off saying that the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. It is a story. It's not just a a rule book. It is a narrative, a grand narrative leading to the person of Jesus, which John calls the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. And then we looked at the Bible being God-breathed authority. Timothy tells us that the Bible is God-breathed. The only other thing that we know is God-breathed is people this living kind of connection, partnership between dust and divine, earth and heaven. It's this living, breathing document, which is pretty incredible. And then last week, we looked at the Bible as lifelong literature. It's meant to be something that's read over and over again and found patterns in. We don't just read it once and we're done. It's, it's something to be chewed over and mulled over. I was thinking this week, I was out praying, and I had my Bible on a bench out on the foreshore, And I turned around and there was a magpie in this Bible and he was just ripping out pages. (laughs) So I've got none of the, like the index anymore, which is good because I've, I pretty much know it. So that's all right. It's forced me to know it. Um, So the Bible, the the Bible is meant to be consumed like the magpie was consuming it. This morning, I want to look at, just to finish this off, the Bible as communal literature. The Bible as communal literature. You know, in the 1400s, mid-1400s, the printing press was invented, and over the next kind of couple of hundred years, it was, uh, the Bible became the most printed thing, and it went from being something that you would have in your local church, synagogue, a scroll, or something to, something that everyone had access to. And the, the concept of sitting down and having a coffee and reading your Bible to yourself has only been around for a couple of hundred years. For the first kind of 1,500 years of the church's life and way further back through the Jewish tradition, the Bible was read communally. You didn't just read it on your own. The Bible was read collectively. Scripture is designed to be spoken. Scripture is designed to be spoken. I want you to imagine you are in a house church. It's 70 AD, right? So it's like kind of a few decades after Jesus has has died and, and rose, risen again. And you find yourself in this little house church in a city called Colossae, a little city, a little town. And I want you to picture it. You might want to close your eyes if you want. You are in the courtyard of a house that a businessman owns. He's got his family there. He's got a few slaves, a few people that work for him. There's about 20 people in the room. You look around 
On one side, you've got the businessman who owns a house sitting next to you. On the other side, a slave girl. There's kids playing on the floor. You're a Greek, but there's a few Jews in the house church. And you meet there regularly. And you pray and you talk. You share the Lord's Supper. You eat a meal together like we do in dinner parties. And it's pretty incredible for the Jews. They'd never eaten a meal with someone other than a Jew in their life. And they're part of this house church. And not only are they sharing a meal with a Greek, a Gentile, but slaves, women, rich, poor, multi-ethnic, kids, adults. It is this kind of beautiful new community that the world hadn't seen before. And today is a special day because there's a guy, his, his name is Tychicus. It's a great name. He rocks in and he's carrying a scroll. It's a letter written from a guy called Paul, who you've heard a lot about, but you'd never met. You know, he went around and he's planted churches. They call him an apostle. And it's a letter written to you, written to your little house church in Colossae from the apostle Paul. And you sit, everyone's kind of excited. Tychicus comes and he doesn't just read the letter, but he almost performs it. Like he's practiced it. He knows it. He's like interacted with Paul and he knows which bits to emphasize. And you all sit down, slave and free, kids, adults. And he reads this aloud, the whole letter written to you from Paul. And you hear things like this from Colossians. This letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters of Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. He says, we always pray for you. We give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for you have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. He goes on and he, he, he writes this little poem that's like you're just sitting it and you're just hearing these words for the first time. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made all things we can see and the things we can't see. He goes on more and more. Chapter 2, he goes on, he says, I I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for your church and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. He goes on, he continues to give instruction and he gets to a point and you're listening in your little house church and it's a household code. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. We hear that in 2022, get a bit prickly by that. But they're getting prickly for another reason because he's addressing women before men, which is like a huge deal. This is like a, this is a big power move that women would be talked about first. He goes on and says, husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. We kind of think, oh yeah, of course. But for them, you know, in the Greek world, Husband and wife relationship was just a business relationship. You know, the, the man could go and sleep with whoever he wanted. The wife was there to have kids. And so for someone to say, love your wife, is a, a massive deal. It goes on. Remember, you're sitting with kind of children as slaves. It says, children, always obey your parents. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time. Not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because you're reverent fear of the Lord. 
And then says this, Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. This is like groundbreaking stuff. And you feel the like awkwardness, awkwardness and the tension in the room. This spoken word is like doing something in your little community. Eugene Peterson, who translated, um, paraphrased the Bible into the message, he has this great quote. He says this, he says, if we were to get the full force of the Word of God, we've got to get the full force of the Word of God, we need to recover its atmosphere of spokenness. Scripture is meant to be spoken. And for most of history, the Scriptures were not read, but they were spoken, they were heard in community. And there's something about that. You know, the, the Jewish culture was an oral culture. They didn't even write things down for a lot of the time. They just spoke stories. There's these stories you would hear over and over again. Uh, even when they did write stuff down, you know, part of your early schooling career was just memorizing the first five books of the Bible and so that you would kind of know it. It'd be inside of you. We talked about last week, Bible being lifelong literature to be memorized and soaked in. And we see this kind of the spokenness of the Word of God, of the Scriptures, like all through the Bible. Moses read out the tablets in front of um, the, this new kind of budding nation of Israel. Joshua, when they get into the Promised Land, he reads out all of the Scriptures that were written. Josiah, which is a king, he was eight years old, and they, uh, Israel hadn't been following Jesus for hadn't been following God for a long time, and they discovered in the ruins of this temple, in, in the walls of the temple, these Scriptures. And they read it aloud as a community for the first time in a long time. Ezra and Nehemiah, after the kind of exile, Israel was taken away by Babylon. And they come back and Ezra and Nehemiah are rebuilding the temple and the walls. And they find the scriptures again and they read it aloud as a people. Every week in synagogues, the scriptures would be read aloud in kind of the Jewish church. And it was in that moment that Jesus picked up the scroll of Isaiah when he was kind of coming out as, as, as into his ministry at 30 years old, and he read out the scroll of Isaiah it was in this kind of spoken atmosphere. 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's writing to Timothy. He's like training this, this younger pastor, this younger leader, and he says this, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Isn't that a weird thing to de- devote yourself to? Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Scripture is designed to be spoken and read in community. You know, story is so important to humans. We are, we are meaning-making machines. The way that we see ourselves in the world is by the stories and narratives that we live by in our brains. Psychology tells us this. And reading Scripture aloud is like stepping into the story as a community, embodying it. The spokenness of Scripture. It's kind of like, did you watch in the Olympics the, the synchronized swimming? It's like one of my favorite things was to watch the synchronized swimming. Not necessarily the swimming, but the way they came out to the pool. I don't know if you've seen that, but yeah, it's well worth watching. But a synchronized swimmer is pretty impressive on, its, on their own, like just the stuff they do in the pool. But when they come together, that's like when the magic happens. And it's kind of like this communal reading of Scripture, this spokenness that we actually begin to embody and live out the story of Scripture together. It's like kind of this sinking that happens. Chris Anderson, 
is the CEO of TED Talks. And he talks about what happens when you give a talk or a speech. You know, because you can read a speech. If, if it was just written down, you can read it in about half the time as it is to be spoken. So if I just gave you, you know, my notes, you would read it in about 10 minutes instead of me speaking it in 20 minutes. He said, what's the importance of speaking? It's like, it's not really an efficient way of communicating. But what it does when you speak in front of a room of people like this is that if I do my job well, the neurons that are happening, the pattern that's happening in my brain as I share a story or um, an idea, that same pattern of neurons kind of happens and mirrors in your brain. And there's this kind of like group synchronization that happens. Psychology tells us that when we work together, we cooperate together, oxytocin is released, which is uh, like a a happy drug, a happy chemical. Um, And it's like a social bonding chemical. And so the same happens when we kind of sync together around the story of Scripture. We are meant to be not a community of people that are just kind of nice people with plans on Sunday. We are meant to be living out the story of Jesus together in Stella Street in Long Jetty or in Berkeley Vale or in Lizero or Wombrel or wherever it is that you find yourself. It's a sinking that happens. And, you know, just as I finish, we have to understand the kind of immense privilege that we have, that we have kind of multiple translations, we can get the Bible in our phone, we can sit down and have access to kind of all these commentaries, we can read the Bible on our own, but the power of Scripture is when it's read together and when it's spoken. Scripture is designed to be spoken, to be told and retold, to have conversations about, to have dialogue and wrestle and question to kind of live this thing out together. That's why we do kind of this a Bible reading plan together for those that are part of that. Is this like we don't necessarily get to read it out loud together, but we get to read it together in a communal way. And there's something beautiful to that. Some quick practices to reading scripture aloud, to, to, to experiencing the spoken and communal practice of Bible reading. Number one, you're already here, church. And you know, when we read scriptures out, when we pray scripture, it's more than just kind of getting that done so we can get to the talk or get to the next song. It is this forming nature of hearing the word of God out loud in its spokenness where it was always intended to be. God in the beginning spoke and things were created. It's in the spokenness that there's this creation and recreation. Um, you know, you can actually get your Bible app to read to you as well. There's something like good about that. I'd use that sometimes. And it like kind of hits different than just reading it. Is you hear it, you have this spokenness. We're hopefully this year gonna um, do an event called the Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount event. And my goal is maybe in our network of churches is to do an event, find a property somewhere, and do kind of like a, a little bushwalk pilgrimage to, you know, a grassy knoll. And we're gonna have people memorize sections of the Sermon on the Mount and kind of perform them. Many scholars believe that a lot of Scripture was not just like kind of read aloud, like we would read a document, but it was performed, it was memorized, and it sort of draws you into this kind of moment. So we're going to try one of those events this year. Another thing you can try is you you might just want to get some people together over at your house 
and pick a book of the Bible, a gospel, maybe a shorter letter, and just read the whole thing all at once. The Bible wasn't ever designed to just be read in like little sections. These chapter markers and verses were put in afterwards. It was a letter to people. Like it was just like you're reading an email. Like you wouldn't just read a section of the email, put it away, come back the next day. It was designed to be read as a, as a whole. Not that kind of studying small sections is a bad thing or reading small sections at a time, but we kind of miss this opportunity of the Bible being this kind of spoken, outward story that we abide by. The bank could come back up. Scripture is designed to be spoken and is inherently communal. This book that we can hold in our hands, it's a unified story, collection of scriptures that leads us to Jesus. It's the God-breathed authority. If we're followers of Jesus, it is the authority that we live by. It's a story that we live by. It's meant to be lifelong literature, and it's meant to be communal literature, read together as a community. So Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the partnership between humans and your spirit in bringing us these scriptures that are life-giving and hopeful and challenging and cause us to question and wonder and ask questions of ourselves, ask questions of our world. God, thank you even the hard parts, the confusing parts, the parts that sometimes get a bit lost in translation. God, we pray that your spirit would continue to make this book living, alive and active in our world, in our hearts, in our souls, in our relationships, in our community. Holy Spirit, would you come and continue to animate this little church community as we seek to follow your way and live out the story of Scripture. Invite other people into that. God, would you continue to animate your story in us? Breathe life into us again. God, I pray for that community of people that are starting the Bible reading plan on Tuesday. God, would you shape us and change us? Would you envelop our world that we might be more aligned with your story than the story of the world or politics or career or the Australian dream or whatever the next thing is? May we live out your story together in your name. Amen.